All righty, it's that time of evening. Good evening, Leon. How are you? I am all right. I literally just raced home to be here so I can do this with you. So with you guys. This, this is, we're not too bad. Welcome to our new subscribers, current and viewers. This is Cat Space. Tonight's topic we are going to be looking into what is happening around Australia. For those from overseas, Australia, we are currently uh, going through what the world is going through with this pandemic with Omicron and with our federal election coming up. So I have a quote from news.com.au in regards to our prime minister talking about the virus while he was at the cricket saying, but this is Australia living with the virus. Look at out there and Australians taking wickets in this virus. Another blunder by the Prime Minister. First question, is Scott Morrison out of touch with Australia and the Australian people? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> That's like a no-brainer. Um, I, I don't think he's just out of touch with the Australian people. I think he's out of touch with the world, basically. Um, you know, the fact that... Um, you know, Joe Biden um, named him um, this uh, guy from down under instead of saying um, uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison um, is, is an example of how out of touch he is with not just Australia, but the world. And to use cricket as, as a means to basically demonstrate how much we've failed the COVID um, pandemic um, is probably not the best of times to talk about COVID, especially when people are trying to, you know, get back into the spirit of working and, and, and whatnot and just get out of sickness. What, what do you think, think Leon? Um, to be honest, I think the way that he's handled it right now has been really, it's been incorrect. The way he's handled has not been the right way. I mean, I don't, I, when he came up on the, the cricket, as you guys mentioned, it was during the, uh, pink test just recently but at the same time that he was talking about you know he, he was talking about omicron and all that sort of stuff dominic perrottet was actually holding his own press conference in sydney regarding you know how they're gonna how they're gonna handle the, these changes and stuff like that that are coming through i believe it was the changes yeah it was it was so they were shutting down basically music and dancing and all that sort of stuff, karaoke and stuff like that until at least the 28th of January. While Dominic Perrottet was having that particular press conference, that was when Scott Morrison was actually on air on Fox Cricket talking about, you know, talking about how Australia is dealing with this stuff. It was bad timing. It was horrible timing, to be perfectly honest. I don't think he should have done that, to be honest. He should have been in all in it's easy to talk about hindsight you know hindsight but i think in hindsight he probably should have been with dominic perrottet this time around you know so he can explain what's going on while they're there while they're all there i mean talk about dominic perrottet kerry champ was at this press conference as well scott morrison really should have been there at the same time but the way he's handled this has not been right it's been it i mean even now we're We've got the shortages of the rat tests. I know they're supposed to be coming in, but, uh, but they're supposed to come in. They should have been in. They should have been in months ago, I believe, in the UK while he was over there in the UK. They were doing the rat tests on a daily basis. And even some politics, uh, even some politicians just today, I believe, they've been handed their free rat tests. And they and they were on Twitter today, or just today, just uh going to say saying that they're going to donate it to the like community council or community whatever what do you call it, you know the 
nursing homes with their electorates and stuff like that because they shouldn't have got it first. We should have been distributed evenly as far as the rat tests are concerned. But, you know, as you mentioned, the federal election is coming up, I believe, this year. And if it comes down to Western Australia, the LNP are going to be screwed because uh, Mark McGowan is the only one who has really handled the uh, the, the COVID, the coronavirus, uh, any anywhere decently. And I'm just check out his numbers here today. Just if I may, just give me a moment here while I'm talking. Um, he has handled it better than any other state right now. And as I'm looking at this, I'm looking at the cases right now. Uh, Western Australia had. Right, I'll, I'll go through this real quickly on today's cases. Um, uh, total act, I'll just, can I go through this active or just can I go through this statewide? All right, so we'll just go through statewide just for, this is from COVID Live, but active cases, New South Wales. I know these numbers are going to sound 20K different because of it's just, I'm assuming this is because of the recoveries as well. So this is what I'm going with here. Uh, New South Wales active cases are up 17,450, even though it was like 35 today, but I'm assuming there's another 20K that have recovered or something. Uh, Victoria, 38,346 active or new active, ca active cases right now. Queensland, uh, 49,366. Somehow that got worse than New South Wales and Victoria combined, just about. South Australia was at uh, uh, six, uh, 1,679. The ACT's numbers came down 701, which is nice to know. Tasmania is up by 408. Northern Territory up 192. Western Australia up three. Wow. Which gives, which gives you an overall Australia-wide total of total new active cases today of 106,743 with Queensland being the worst, Victoria the second, and uh, New South Wales in third. But Western Australia, uh, active cases went up by only three. And if it comes down to the federal election, Mark McGowan's the Labor member. Now, this is what I think. Can you hear me clearly okay? Um, oh, I can hear you fine. Okay. Uh, this is what I think. Is our promise to out of touch with Australia and the Australian people? My answer to that is yes, absolutely, 100%. And this is the reason why. Um, I believe it's out of touch because when the bushfires happened, for example, let's, let's go back a fair bit. When the bushfires happened, he was nowhere to be found. He was in Hawaii. Uh, when Melbourne earthquake happened, he was in America. Now, uh, when we needed him most when it comes down to Omicron. Where was he? At two different locations. First, he was at Mount Panorama having a test ride uh, with a friend of his in the car. Second of all, at the cricket. And it's kind of, and I'm, this is only my opinion. I'm not here to, you know, offend anyone. But um, the thing is, as an opinion, it's, it's that I feel when we need him the most, he's missing in action. He's not a uh, prime minister. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't check in. He's out of touch. He's out of date. And it kind of feels like he's given up on us, on all of us as a country. And the fact that he's, he recently was a close contact and instead of isolating, he didn't have to isolate. And he just went about his business during press conferences and going here and going there. Well, if you're a close contact, even though you're able to do what, you know, you're not able to do certain things. But the thing is, is he out of touch? Absolutely. I mean, he's a parent. You'd think he was 
with the country, with us all together, but he's, 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 he's out of touch. Um, I just, before you say that, I, I, I really don't understand how Scott Morrison, who was known to be a, um, a close contact, who was probably being told by his advisors, look, you need to go into isolation, could then basically just say, yeah, I'm a close contact, but tomorrow I'm just going to the cricket. And he could have basically infected pretty much everyone on the Australian cricket team, um, which I find amazing, to be honest. Oh, I, can, I can assume he would have taken a rat test. and I'm assuming he would have taken a rat test and that rat test would have come back negative. Now, you can't blame Scott Morrison for not being in Victoria because of an earthquake. Uh, you mentioned an earthquake there. So you can't blame him for an earthquake, okay? But no, you know, given, 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 given the, given the, given the lefties, they'll probably blame him for setting the southern hemisphere on fire or some crap. But no, you're right about that. He was, he was, he was in the wrong place. He was in Hawaii or whatever it is on a holiday when, when we had the fires. But I'm not, I'm not counting the fires now because the fires were before the pandemic. So I'm already, I'm already discarding that. That's but what I'm, but what that, I'm saying I, is, I, I, I would, sorry, I'd like to basically point out that. I know you're, you're putting the fires behind you and I know this is strictly COVID, um, but it's pretty more, more to do with the, uh, the actions that the Prime Minister has been taking. Like, for example, when we had the fires, for some reason, um, Scott Morrison didn't, uh, when he was asked by the Americans to say, hey, we've got these volunteers that are happy to put out the fires in Australia um, uh, with using American firefighters, he actually refused to let them in. Now, is, was that because he didn't want Americans fighting Australian firefighters? Um, didn't he or, like Canadian? Didn't he collect? Didn't he like Canadians in to help fight the fire? I think he did, but I'm not sure about Americans. Yes, though. but since is this thing on? Since yes, um, since we're talking oh, about, I'm not Yes, he, I'm not blaming him for for the Melbourne earthquake, but what I'm saying is, he's not just a prime minister for the states. He's a prime minister for the country, the entire country which means he's in charge of everything mm, but there's... And he should be running everything he shouldn't have to leave it to the state premiers to do all the work themselves and he's going look i don't hold a hose not my responsibility you know this isn't my issue or my problem to deal with it's completely you know askew to me and well the the, the thing is the there are um laws within australia for which is entirely governed by the states. Um, but that doesn't mean that the prime minister can't work with the states. That's his job is to work with the states to ensure that the states can provide to its people. Um, but when he says, oh, it's not my problem, this is this is a state issue, um, let's just get the states to deal with it. That's like- It is his problem. It is Scott Morrison's problem. problem. People, people come to him for answers to go, okay, why aren't, uh, if, if the states aren't following through, then we have to go to someone above the state, which is the prime minister. And the prime minister basically has to pull some weight and go, hang on, you guys are, are meant to be basically looking after your people and you're not. So I'll, I'll basically, I'll move in and make sure that you're, you're, you're pulling your weight. Because otherwise he can just go, well, you're not, you're not doing your job as ministers and therefore I, I have the power to sack you. I don't think, uh, to be honest, I actually don't believe that the Prime Minister has the power to sack a uh, state government. I believe that is the Governor General's responsibility. I believe the Governor Governor General has that power to strip a, strip a state 
of their leader, I believe. It's, well, it's they, I think it's the same. I think it's the same way. It, I think it's the same way as the as the government as well. So the, the well, I, I, I think how it works is no. the Governor General has the right to fire the Prime Minister of Australia, but the um, Prime Minister has the right to um, do a seat shuffle. So if they want to um, make um, ministers backbenchers, for example, he has the right to do so. Um, so he, he, he does have responsibility. He can't just say, I don't hold a hose to it, even though he has said that. Um, he does have responsibility. Otherwise, his, his uh, job in Australia is pr pretty much pointless, basically. Um, he does I think his job in Australia right now is pointless because he's trying to he's trying to direct all these state leaders and the state leaders are pretty much going well f you you know uh they're doing they're doing it their own way and currently the only way the only state leader that's actually handling this uh, the pretty much the right way is um Mark McGowan over there in Western Australia I've just actually got an updated list on the on the Western Australia daily cases, because I was actually reading the active cases from another area. Uh, in the last week, from between the 6th of January through to the 12th of January, they had 54 new cases. That That's the week in Western Australia. And they had six cases today. So they're handling it so much better than all the other states, because the other states are now in the hundreds and in the thousands and in Australia and in New South and in New South Wales, Victoria, and Queensland states, the tens of thousands. So tell me, what is Western Australia doing right that every other state is doing wrong? Lock down the other lock down entrances to the other states. And even I believe as of today, if I can just go to Twitter, I believe Mark McGowan actually did put uh, all the other states on an extreme risk. Uh, so so just bear with me, please, for a second. Uh, bless you. Mark McGowan. This I'm looking this. This is live on Twitter, by the way. I, by the way, I'm just looking at this on live on Twitter. If I can read this out, here we go. Based on the latest, this is this is from uh, Mark McGowan's own Twitter feed right now. Based on the latest health advice, the Northern Territory will be elevated to extreme risk category from 1201 Thursday the 13th of January. Uh, uh, so that's from 1201 Thursday the 13th. Of 13th of January, but he's put all of the states, that's the Northern Territory, Queensland, New South Wales, ACT, Victoria, Tasmania, and also South Australia as extreme risk, which means you would have to, what, um, you, would have, you, are, you would be required to be tested for COVID-19 within 24 hours of arrival and the days 5 and 13 and undertake the 12 days of quarantine at a state facility at your own expense. So if you want to go to West Australia, you're going to have to pay for your own hotel quarantine and also your tests. Okay, so here's the next question I want to throw out. Who's handled COVID better, Scott Morrison or the state premiers? Um, to be honest, I think some of the state premiers have done a better job, but that it depends which state premier you're talking about. So for New South Wales, I think that Gladys um, Bajerklin has actually done it the best. Um, although uh, the Tasmanian Premier has the least amount of cases, um, but Tasmania is kind of different because it's an island and so it can block people out and people aren't willing to travel there and, and whatever. But um, Gladys was probably doing it the best. Perite has probably done it the worst out of all of them. Um, but what about Daniel Andrews? 
See, see, well, this is the thing about Daniel Andrews. A lot of people hate Daniel Andrews and they see him as a dictator and and whatever. And I can see why they see him as a dictator. Um, But um, the only reason why Melbourne basically kept spreading um, coronavirus is because they kept having freaking protests all the time, whereas New South Wales had one protest and then everyone went home because they realised that no, New South Wales had heaps of protests. There's a lot of them went under the went under the radar, and 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 the police were on hand to snuff out the protesters because at that at that stage, Gladys Berejiklian, I think, pretty much instructed the police. You know, these guys aren't going to have their protests. These guys are going to be rounded up and and uh, well, hang on, there was the one where council the police, quickly. The police, um, wasn't it the police uh, horse got punched? Wasn't it? That- I think that was I think that was in uh, I think that was in Victoria, wasn't it? I believe that was that was a Victorian one. Well, when, I think if, if you look at comparison between the process in protests, the legal protests in New South Wales, compared to say um, uh, Melbourne or Victoria, um, the, Victoria's had way more. Victoria's had way more. They had like a protest every week. You know, uh, the don't protest this weekend if there, if there is, if there is oh, any, yes. I'm not encouraging yeah. anybody is to go to it because you're just doing yourself a disservice and you're doing your state a disservice. Uh, but I, I think when it comes to Perite, I mean, I know that he's thought, hey, I'm going to make myself popular by giving everyone their freedom back, but um, he also shut down all the services or most, most if not all of the um you know, COVID services to check whether we had um, COVID or not. Uh, and it's almost impossible to get a rat test in New South Wales. So I, I think he's doing really a pathetic job at the moment. I'm really, you know, for, for, for New South Wales to have one of the best roadmaps, one of the best roadmaps in the country to having the worst roadmap in the country is absolutely crazy. Okay, here's, here's where I look at this question. Who's had a look better, our Prime Minister or the State Premiers? My answer, Mark McGowan's handled it beautifully on time and on spot on. The thing is, we had Gladys Berejiklian. Not many of us agreed with her choices. Not many, agree- many of us liked her policies or liked her as a Premier. Okay, but we got Dominic Perrette. Here's, here's the thing. A young guy with a family, right? Young guy with a family. He came in and I'm like, well, give him a chance. Let him let him dive into the job. He's got big shoes to fill. You know, let's see how he handles it. At first, he handled it nicely. He gave us our freedoms back. We went about our business. Life went on. And now the numbers are skyrocketing. Is he handling this beautifully? Absolutely not. Um, if I could look at Dominic Perrette, I would look at him and say, uh, Mr. Perrette, our numbers are skyrocketing. I know you don't want to look at lockdowns or the expense of lockdowns because businesses need to boom. Money needs to be paid to, you know, rent and buildings and whatnot. But, you know, our our numbers are fluctuating like a yo-yo. I'm asking you, please think about, you know, if you don't want to lock down businesses, lock down homes because you can still do takeaway. And, you know, not many people want to lose their businesses, which I totally respect and understand. But the thing is, we do need a lockdown, perhaps, 
and many of our, many people I've heard have unofficially quote locked down and we have too and as Philip said or as Bucket said the rat tests are really hard to get by you go on the websites they are completely out of stock you call chemists out of stock you call Woolworths and, and calls that out of stock in our area so it's kind of and they've closed the PCR testing site so it's kind of like it, the only person I see handling this is Mark McGowan from WA well, the only, well, the, those, um, yeah, well, you talk about the hospitals or you talk about the drive through the PCR. Is that what you're, the drive through? Uh, I'm not talking oh. about the drive throughs. I'm talking about where you stand in line and wait for hours and hours. That's now. a PCR test. Yeah. So the right. Okay. No. All right. Okay, because I, because I, I get confused with the, with the terms of that stuff. But yeah, but Mark McGowan is definitely handling, handling this better. But I do fear, you know, one thing with Mark McGowan, like when all these other states, get themselves cleared up and Western Australia decides, okay, we're going to drop it. All these other States are going to be fine. And then Western Australia is going to be hit. They're going to be smashed. That's what I, that's what I fear. You know, Western Australia will eventually get smashed by this to be, to be quite fair, to be quite honest, they've had, what is it? 100 and in total, I'm looking, I'm looking from the 30th of December, right? That was when they've had daily cases since uh, since the 30th of December. They've had 107. That's between the 30th and also the 12th of January. So they're handling this a lot better than all the other states. So Mark McGowan is handling this a lot better. And like I said, when it comes down to the federal election in 2022, it's going to be Western Australia. If it's going to be Western Australia that decides this election, Scott Morrison is going to be in the world of pain because I think what's going to happen is the – Labor Party are going to target the marginals, which is which is what you do. You target the marginal seats, and you're going to see a lot of swings, and you're going to see a big, uh, you're going to see a bad night for, for Mr. Morrison. Unfortunately, I know he's trying hard to do do it, but it's just, it's it's coming off. When you see it on TV, it's just not coming off well. For all these good intentions, they're not coming off well. But as far as who's handling this thing better, it's definitely Mark McGowan. Well, I I, I have to. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting because, like, um, it's interesting what will it, what will it come down to when it comes to the premiers? Because it's definitely going to come to down to, okay, um, who allowed us to basically make money when we're in a pandemic, and who actually kept us safe during the pandemic, and what do you value more? Do you value your jobs more, or do you value safety more? And Perite doesn't be the doesn't want to be the one to say that I lost you your jobs. Um, but at the same time, he also wants to say that I kept you safe. And unfortunately, that hasn't been true. Um, so he, he's real, his whole um, career is pretty much based off, I gave Australia's freedom back. Um, but as far as keeping people safe, he hasn't actually you know, successfully done that. And uh, like Morrison, they will ask Morrison, how have you kept Australia safe and how have you kept Australian jobs? And he won't know what to say. I wouldn't even be surprised if um, Morrison retires and um, the torch just gets given to someone else in the Liberal Party. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. I, I can't see Morrison winning this election at all. Okay, here's, here's a random question I'd like to throw out there before we ask the third question. And that question I'm thinking of right now is what will be left of Scott Morrison's legacy? 
what will his legacy be and how will it be written and how will it sound when he formally retires and you know becomes as we would soon call him former prime minister scott morrison what will his legacy be and how will it sound what will be written well, about him? i i think one of the things that scott morrison did do really really well was he raised the sentiment pensions by about a hundred bucks and i remember when um basically anyone that had uh, i think it was a what, what's the workers one the one where you're um like the job keeper yeah the job so keeper was like a thousand bucks and job seeker was i think 800 bucks or something so a thousand two or a thousand two. yeah so so he actually raised it higher than any prime minister um in um australia's history and then he, you know after a while he lowered it again but i think if he's banking on anything that's what he'll be banking his um legacy on which is raising the um raising the uh sense of allowance um you know uh wage if you will um or benefit i should really say um but i but the problem is that um scott morrison is pretty much known for his negligence and even if it isn't directly a prime minister's job to um do something which is clearly a state mm. job, at least he should at least sound or act like he's doing something right instead of just not caring. And I think if, if that's his legacy, his legacy is, I don't care. I'm just going to go to the cricket or a, or a Sharks game because I simply don't care. I think his I legacy is going to be, I don't hold a hose, not my problem. It's the minister's and the state premier's problems. It's the government's problem. I don't control it. His legacy is, may God forgive me for saying this. Again, I'm not here to offend or upset anyone. This is just an opinion. But we have a Trumpian-like prime minister. And it's sort of like I'm, sometimes I find it hard to express myself because it's sort of like, oh, my God, you know, who is this person and why? Why isn't he helping? Like when it comes to say, for example, the rats test and you can't get them anywhere and you're closing down PCR testing clinics, walk-in testing clinics, not drive-thrus because, you know, as I do admit, doctors and nurses are becoming overwhelmed with the amount of people they have to test and the swabbing and whatnot. Um, but there's an easy way to solve that. There's an that, easy way to solve it. And not make, to employ more people. No, not just that, but to make the rat test free. So his legacy is going to be, one that's I don't hold a hoax. What do you think? First of all, I I would have been I can imagine the collective rolling of eyes when you mentioned the word Trumpism. Yeah, that to be honest, I don't buy into that at all because you're just looking for an excuse to link it to Donald Trump. I mean, this is what MSNBC have been doing. Every time that there's something going wrong with Joe Biden's presidency, they somehow link it to Donald Trump. That is Abs to be honest, that is absolute crap. Don't get me wrong. I liked I liked it, but having a trumpet, but saying a Trump is online just to just to throw that in is garbage. To no, be honest, now his 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 legacy, uh, um, Scott Morrison's legacy, uh, to what people have been seeing throughout this pandemic would be, um, like he's trying to instruct the states 
to the way to, to handle the pandemic and the state and the state governing bodies uh, are pretty much no, we're not doing it your way, we're doing it our way. And the only way that's actually worked, unfortunately, is McGowan. The other way is if if all the other if all the other state premiers had their way and they and they didn't do it the way that Scott Morrison had asked these guys to do it because I think there's only Mark McGowan that hasn't done it that way. If they did it their own way, I don't believe that we'll be in this situation as we are right now. But um, if I I don't believe we'd be in that situation, we would be in the same situation that Western Australia is in right now, and that's a pretty damn good uh, situation. But I don't think um, these guys have really thought this through and that's going to be his legacy. His legacy is going to be like, he cannot control the state premiers. He's been trying to, he's been trying to, you know, get the state premiers to go along with what he's saying. And the state premiers are going, yeah. Okay. Thanks for your opinion. You know, see you at the bottom of a river. Well, if you really want my honest opinion about like, not just his prime ministership, but his entire career, I mean, his entire career has been based upon locking people up. I mean, he was um, the foreign minister in charge of putting people in Manus Island before he was prime minister. Um, you know, like he he was, you know, he, he likes to lock people up and give away lots of money. That's basically been his entire career, giving away lots of money and locking people up. And if you look at how our country has basically suffered with with COVID, what was the first thing Scott Morrison did? He basically put us all under house arrest. Um, and, and that's indicative of his entire career. And now I think what I think the first sorry to interrupt, but I think the first time he locked us down, right, it was Scott Morrison that decided to lock all the states down while they tried to figure out a way out of this. The second time and the third time was not Scott Morrison's idea. These the second the second time, the third time, and all those other times were state ideas. So Scott Morrison was, I think, responsible for the first one, not the rest of them. Yes, but what I'm saying is because whilst he was being foreign minister, um, he locked up a lot of people um, from overseas and put them in Manus Island or put us in Christmas Island. This this that was basically his like ninety percent of his career. Um, it's only when he's been Prime Minister of Australia um, that he's had other policies. But um, it, it's almost like, I, I don't have to say this because, um, you know, I, I don't want to compare um, Tony Abbott with um, Scott Morrison because I kind of think they're two different Prime Ministers. But if you kind of look at the, the, the level of work, he's only done a little bit more than... Tony Abbott. Tony Abbott did, did fuck all, excuse my language. Um, but then again, Scott Morrison has only done a little bit, a little bit more than Tony Abbott, um, which I don't think is, is good enough. The Liberal Party have plenty of good uh, uh, prime ministers and ministers within their party that could pro uh, probably better lead um, Australia. And I just, I just think that um, the, the one legacy that he's going to leave behind is just negligence. Sadly, I, I wish it was something better, but it, it's not. Um, and I think he's just a negligent prime minister. 
again, we're not here to offend or upset or anger anybody. It's just opinion that what we see about our prime minister. I mean, it's it's come to be a sad one, really. You know, thinking, you know, thinking ahead, going to where where you are now to where we're heading in the future. So here's my next question. Is challenging Scott Morrison's authority realistic? I, I think it is. I, I, I think it's, I, I think it is because I think we need to um, challenge all of our ministers' um, authority because that's how we keep them um, in line. If we didn't challenge any of our ministers' um, behaviour, then they'd be doing whatever they like. Um, this is why we have, um, you know, uh, what do you call it, um, internal affairs um, or ICAC um, powers to, to, govern, to, to ensure that ministers stay in line. Um, I, I reckon we probably do need um, a, a federal level ICAC or something like a federal level ICAC, um, but I'm not sure if that would ever um, become a thing because um, federal ministers don't actually like to be investigated. Um, but um, I, I think it is important to um, really um, judge and um, see uh, what, um, you know, what are the pros and cons of the prime minister in power because that's why we live in a democracy. Um, otherwise, what's the point of a democracy if you don't question the things that they do? What do you think, Liam? I think we'll only start seeing uh, politicians, especially from the LNP, I think we'll start seeing uh, members from the LNP start openly challenging uh, Scott Morrison's position on things. When the federal election is announced and these, and these uh, 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 what do you call it, federal members who are going to be in this election, They'll, they'll be looking at trying to save their own seat, quite frankly, and that's why you'll see them openly start to challenge uh, start to challenge uh, Scott Morrison because I think they might be able to get some of their uh, some of their people back. I think we're going to see I think we're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of federal members start doing that once you start once you start seeing that, you know uh, Scott Morrison's probably going to be pissing the wind straight after the election, and he'd probably have to step down. And you'll have to bring someone else in to, uh, well, be the opposition leader. That's what I think. That's what we will see if an election's being called, and you'll see federal members start openly challenging Scott Morrison's position on things. That's when. That's when you know. See, the thing is, um, uh, Victoria's uh, premier, it's, uh, Daniel Andrews. Daniel Andrews, uh, the federal. That's I think it's the state premier, I believe. Yeah, state premier. He's Labor, but. I don't see him being vote, voted in. So if he doesn't win the seat, um, I could see um, Melbourne being potentially a Liberal seat, or it might actually be a Green seat. Or maybe another Labor person. Or, um, I don't see it being a Labor. I, I honestly don't see them ever getting a Labor government for a while because of Dan Andrews, because a lot of people don't like Dan Andrews. I think you'll find South Australia is more a Greens, uh, a Greens state than uh, Victoria, I believe. Um, even if, even if, say, Daniel Andrews takes himself to the election, he loses his seat. Well, it, it would take 
I think it would take a swing of about 20 or 30%. You'd need a 20% swing against Daniel Andrews just to roll him or something like that. And that is going to be hard to do. So I think the one thing that the LMP, if the LMP want to try and take Victoria or take Daniel Andrews down is they need to run that line is Victoria, like is, you know, Disneyland's the happiest place on earth. Victoria is the most lockdown place on earth. Okay. That's how you, that's how you, that's how you go. That that's how you would uh, target Victorian seats. Mm. If you want, if you wanted the LMP, to really make a run for Victoria. But it's but again, it's going to come down to Western Australia. I'm not going to answer the question I just asked because I think you two, you two answered it perfectly and I wouldn't know how to follow that. <laughs> so the next question I have in mind is, should I promise I should Scott Morrison call an early election? I'm going to go first. I think he should. I think let's just get it over and done with because... If he calls an early election, at least because we're in a pandemic, one, it would be safe because how would they, this is the thing, if he calls an early election, how are they going to control people standing in line at different venues about to vote? Because usually pre-pandemic days, pre-COVID days, you had people, one person behind the other, behind the other. So now if they, if people vote and he calls an early election, how are you going to space out the next person? Are you going to put a chair between them? Why are you going to put a, uh, what do you call them, those banners between them or something, just so, you know, they're isolated or something like that. Call an, will he call an early election? I truly hope so. I, I believe he will. Okay, so I think what you're talking about there is how people vote. So no, I'm saying, will he call an early election? I, look, if he's smart, he won't. Because if he wants to keep his seat for as long as possible, did I say hospital? Yeah. For as long as hospital. Uh, did uh, I, I said again, as possible. Oh, you're on one too, so far. If he wants to keep his seat for as long as there's hospitals <laughs> and possible, um, he basically won't call an early election. There is no way in hell he will call an early election. And the reason for that is that he knows he will lose. Um, and the Liberal Party probably know he's probably going to lose. So unless he early retires, which he knows he's not going to do, um, he, he's not going to do it. Um, I, I'm sure um, that there would be plenty of time to go on a campaign tri uh, tr trail or something like that um, up until the actual election. But there's no way right now that he's going to spend money to go on a campaign trail um right during the worst pandemic where people are pretty much locked inside their homes i mean i'm following all these uh member of uh, members of parliament people on facebook and you know they're, they're putting up all this stuff and they're saying you know uh the the federal election could be in may between march and may um but the thing is they're saying that you know scott morrison could possibly call an early election i'm going to throw the ball in your court leon should the Prime Minister call an early election, yes or no? No, no you got Buckley's chance of him calling an early election because he's on the nose right now with the Australian people, especially the way he's handled certain things, like you said, that the pandemic. Now, what I do understand is he plans to uh, hold the budget on the 29th of March, which is another early budget for some reason. That would leave only three possible days to call an election, and that would be the 7th, 14th, and 21st of May. 
because the days after that would be like during Easter and Anzac Day and Anzac Day long weekend. So you don't call it during Easter and you don't call it uh, during Anzac Day long weekend. So that would leave the 7th of May, 14th of May or the 21st of May. Now, as I understand, he could not hold it uh, any later he could not call the election any later than the 21st of May. So he's got that window in May. So it's got, so it's, if I was him, I would hold it off as long as possible. I would call it on say the 21st of May, because that way you could hold it right to the end. But if he does call on the 21st of May, here's, a, here's another random question. If he is going to call it on the 21st of May, for example, how are they going to separate the people? I mean, well, that's that's very. I easy. mean, sure, there's uh, I vote, there's voting online, but also, how would they separate? How would they separate people standing in line? Because you have pre-pandemic days, you had people voting, um, people voting uh, behind each other. How are you going to separate voters? I mean, how's that going to work? Uh, okay, well, the way that I can see it working is how you mentioned it. I vote, um, and or they extend the period of voting to go for longer to take into account that the computer the computers that they have or the mainframe that they have don't crash so i can see i vote as maybe the main way that everyone's going to vote um, because going into um you know um, a little um kindergarten to go and vote um may not be even a possibility whilst everyone's in a pandemic depending on what state you're actually in. WA have probably have a greater chance of doing that because they don't have many people in um, uh, COVID right now. But, you know, states like uh, Melbourne, New South Wales, Queensland, Tasmania, um, it's probably easier if everyone just does it online um, during an extended period of time, um, just so the system won't crash. And I think that's just a, that's that's just the way that, everyone's basically heading to be perfectly honest because to be honest i mean sure you have the i vote which would be a much better solution but there are people that actually because say voting opens at what seven o'clock in the morning and goes and the last vote is at 6 p.m before they count and they close the doors at six before they sit down and they actually count the votes one by one by one by one and sure as i said i votes are easy solution but how would you, if people are coming to stand in line wearing a mask in the heat, summertime, summer, no, autumn, in the heat, and they're still wearing a mask, how are you gonna, how are you gonna separate people? Well, how I mean, you just separate people during the normal way, which is do your average one point five, but then that would take for ages, and um, you know, humans are naturally impatient, so I think we're just gonna gravitate towards I vote. And um, literally the, the four options that you have in order to um, vote on iVote, which is A, I'm too sick to actually vote, or B, I, you know, my vote voting station is another in another area. There's still perfectly legal uh, reasons um, to not do a postal vote. And you know what, we're just heading towards, like I said, we're heading towards that, that way of going, doing electronic voting um, because that is literally the safest way that you can vote without actually getting a fine. Um, but if you were to, were, were to go in, well, you know, to be honest, I, I, we used to live in Penrith, right? And I used to love voting because I used to be able to go in and I, I loved being a part of the whole the voting scene. Mm. And then 
what happened was Penrith took away the sausage sizzle and then it started to suck. <laughs> and we got uh, what's up, sausage man? rolls instead. And that was stupid. It was like, no sausage sizzle. No sausage yeah. sizzle. Democratic so- de- democracy sausage. No democracy sausage, mate. You you just lost my vote altogether, man. Who Penrith, you just lost my vote altogether. Um, now, uh, kind of crossed out where we were. Um, I've just drawn a blank, actually, to be honest. Um, I've, I've drawn a blank. My head's just gone blank with what you guys were saying. Can you guys refresh no, my memory? Apart from the democracy sausage. What I was trying to say is, is that when it comes, when he calls the election, as I said, I vote is a safe way to doing it. But if people do insist on lining up, it's going to be hard because all of us are going to be wearing our masks for a very, 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 very long time. All right. So that's it. I vote. That's it. How would you separate the Australian public instead of standing behind each other one by one? The answer is you wouldn't. How would how would you separate? Do you put a chair in between the person? No, or? you would just do your, your normal 1.5, which is you just basically stay away from people. And I think that's pretty much ingrained into people's minds already. Um, or you vote online, which is just much simpler. Okay. I now, voted I, online. It's, it's yeah. a lot easier. I, when did you do, when did you vote online last? At the, at no. the council elections? So the council elections. The, yeah, I got, I, so I remember hearing that the iVote machines crashed or something like that, which meant people couldn't vote. And I think when it comes to iVoting, I think you only have until like one o'clock or something to do to do your iVote. That's why you need to get out there and just go to the to your school or your council or your hall or whatever to get out there and vote. My The way that I always uh, did my voting was I went out there first thing in the morning. You know, there was a small crowd. There wasn't a big of a crowd because the longer it goes, the longer you wait, Say if you're going in the middle of the day, the longer that snake, the longer that snake line is going to be. And I think the chairs wasn't such a bad bad idea that you mentioned, Cap, because I did remember seeing you know when we had that first lockdown and there was chairs and you know things lined up. I don't know if you remember this, buckets. I'm not sure if you did. It was on the news one time where there was chairs lined up down the street, and basically you guys were playing musical chairs when the person got when the person got seen by. They start. They move to the next seat down. So that's. I think that was what was going on, if I remember right. But that was during, I think, the first lockdown. But I th- maybe. I think they. I think they would be able to do the one point five, but they're going to have to do a really, really wild snail. Uh, a, you know, snake line. You know, so it would be instead of going like around the world like it would normally be. I think you'd have to have it. You know basically a real you know zigzag kind of snake trail or something but it's got to be 1.5 that's the thing here's here's a question here's a doozy of a question say when it comes to the uh liberal national party if they won for example who would be nominated to take scott morrison's place if he loses to another alan uh liberal uh uh, liberal national party leader um it would not it would be barnaby joyce for sure barnaby joyce would take his place for sure um i don't know who it would be other than barnaby joyce um i don't see joe hockey doing it anytime soon um and john howard isn't going to um, become prime minister again as much as he'd want to <laughs> um but yeah i my my money would most likely be on barnaby joyce 
Who, who would yeah. you want to be on? Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards you. I think the most obvious choice would be Barnaby Joyce because he's got that profile. He speaks Aussies. He doesn't try and speak bloody – he doesn't try to do the clever wordplay and stuff like that. He's one of those down-to-earth speaking people. Uh, another choice I would toss in there would be Peter Dutton, even though he had a couple of cracks at, uh, at, at Malcolm Turnbull and didn't get him – it didn't get him twice – but I wouldn't rule out, I wouldn't rule out Peter Dutton right now. But I wouldn't rule him out. But I would say, I would say um, Barnaby Joyce would be the favourite because people know him. People know he does. He he's a straight talker. He doesn't use his weas- he doesn't use weasel words. He will just call it what like it is. That's that. My money's with you guys. If it was going to go to anybody, it'd be Barnaby Joyce. I wouldn't wouldn't we have a fun three years? That wouldn't a fun three years that'll be because you know nobody talks like Barnaby Joyce does these days. Everybody's careful what they say. He does not give a rat's what you think of him. He will tell it like it is. Here's the next question. And I'm not going to say if, but I will say when. Okay, when the opposition leader, Anthony Albanese, wins the election of that's assuming he wins. When he wins and he becomes our prime minister, who is going to be his opposition leader, or who will be the opposition leader? Okay, that's assuming that uh, Barney B. Joyce wins, and we don't even know that. And anything, but and anything can happen um, on the election trail. But assuming that he wins, um, as popular as, as he is right now. Um, um let's see i could probably go with um oh who's that nice chinese lady penny wong yeah penny wong yeah probably penny wong but she's a labor person as well yeah Yeah, she's a labor she's a labor senator right now yeah Yeah. so i could probably see her based off um based off the current political climate you mean you mean her being the deputy you think oh. you think Penny Wong could be the deputy? Not, yeah, when, Penny, Penny Wong being the deputy. Not if, but when Anthony deputy leader, deputy leader. Not if, but when Anthony Albanese wins the prime ministership. Oh, yeah, so you're saying who would be the liberal? Who would be the opposition leader? Because currently, you have Scott Morrison's prime minister, and Anthony Albanese is the opposition leader. Okay, well, so my, my he, answer would still be the same, which is Barnaby Joyce. Barnaby Joyce would be the opposition leader. Um, it's not so going to be it, okay. So if. Um, if uh, Anthony Albanese were to win, um, Barney B. Joyce would definitely be um, the opposition leader because I can basically see the rest of his uh, Liberal Party just turning on um, uh, the PM, uh, the current PM we have now. Um, so they're not going to want to have um, Scott Morrison in power for much longer. They're going to want to have Barney B. Joyce. Uh, they just can't do it now because it's a bit iffy at the moment, but they'll wait till he's lost all his power before they um, switch leaders. I don't see Scott Morrison being any sort of leader um, or even trying to um, go for a next election anytime soon. So, but, I, but I definitely see the entire Liberal Party um, being um, backed by Barnaby Joyce or, or sorry, the entire Liberal Party um, backing um, Barnaby Joyce, but I don't see the entire Liberal Party backing Scott Morrison unless they get something out of it. 
Good question. He's, he's got a spin for you. I got, I got, hang on, hang on, I got a spin question for you, right? We'll just speak on that, right? Say just for just for spin purposes, what if Anthony Albanese loses the unlosable election the same way that Bill Shorten lost the unlosable election last time? I got one for you. Who would be the who would be the opposition leader then? Because if Albanese was to lose. Who would be the leader? You couldn't have Bill Shorten again, surely. No, no, you wouldn't no, go back to Bill Shorten. No, no one's no one's going to go back to um, Bill Shorten again because no one trusts Bill Shorten. No one likes Bill Shorten. Okay? I was gonna... I, I'm a Labour person, but even I hate Bill Shorten. I think he's. You wouldn't go to Kevin Rudd. Well, Kevin, Kevin the thing is, they'd be on the toilet door in the Parliament. Same with Julia Gillard. Kevin think... Rudd would even want to do it at here's all. What, anyway, um, here's what I think. I think that. You know, given the circumstances, Mr. Rudd, who I admire very, very much, um, and I follow on Facebook and Instagram, uh, but I don't know if, I mean, in my dreams, I mean, if he would come back, it would be, it would be pretty historical, Uh, not hilarious, historical, because at the age he is now in his retirement, um, I don't know. Would it be my, pro- my problem is he has an agenda right now, and his agenda is going after Murdoch Media. He has been going after Murdoch Media for over a year now. No matter what it is, he has been going after Murdoch Media. So I think I can't see Kevin Rudd potentially coming back because if he comes back, he's already got his agenda lined up, the, and he's going to focus on Murdoch. Well, the thing is about one of the things that. Um, Kevin Rudd was really afraid of was Murdoch and his his media, and Murdoch brought down prime ministers. Um, it's so it's ironic that um, the Murdoch media haven't really brought down Scott Morrison um, when there's like ample opportunity for them to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't see Kevin Rudd coming back purely because he just doesn't want to. Um, I, I think he has. To see I, know, I know you want to, but <laughs> I I don't see him doing it because I think he's got more power being a protester than he did when he was a prime minister. I mean, I, I tend hope, to agree with buckets. Yeah, I hope if our former prime minister does see this, former prime minister Rudd, if you ever watch this, I am a staunch supporter. I'm not talking I'm, about him now. No, but I'm a staunch supporter, and it would be the wildest thing a bombshell if he was to actually like somehow fit in with this time compared to when he was promised so think about it. just think about it <laughs> next question um uh let's have a look how scott morrison went over the australian public if he runs uh for prime minister again how would he uh how would he win the australian public and this is i think if he if he changes his policies, maybe shows a little, again, I'm not here to offend or upset anybody. It's just my opinion, but a little bit more kindness, a little bit more empathy, a little for telling the truth, um, straight talking, you know, let's get the show on the road. Let's fix up Australia. Let's heal us all. Unite us so as you're one. You're saying this, but he needs to change his image. He needs to change his image and he needs to change the way he's been doing things for I, the I, last almost eight years. I think he needs to change more than his image. He needs to change his policies. I think basically he 
needs to, I mean, it would be great if you put more money into Centrelink, but I think he basically needs to put more money into um, allowing uh, for there to be, um, you know, free PCR tests and also free uh, rat tests and reinvest money into pop-up um, PCR tests. Um, if that was the focus, um, then I could probably see him being a potential um, leader again. Um, if he lowered taxes, he could potentially um, get in again. Um, if he tried to invest money into uh, refuel um, refuelable energies, he could again potentially get back in again. You mean reusable energies? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. So green oh. energies or whatever. Or solar energy, so I can I can see him potentially get get in, and if he fixed maybe um, the employment crisis that we currently have now, I can see him um, actually being uh, a potential prime minister. But until he can actually fix those problems, I don't actually his campaign right now is actually piss poor. Yeah, I I have to say I'm quite appalled with the idea that he's not you know not appalled is a word, but I'm I'm not surprised because. He doesn't focus on what's current and what's modern. Like, for example, climate change. We need to put all our energy on climate change. Our world is getting more hotter every day. And we're in summertime right now. And slowly but surely, we're going to go into autumn soon. And it's just getting hotter and hotter. And we're having wild, crazy weather. We're having cyclones. We're having freak thunderstorms. I think we need to look at he needs, again, his image needs to be fixing because we need to work on climate change and yeah. climate change is no joke. Yeah, but the, the, the problem with climate change is that the thing about climate change is that it, it can't really be fixed per se. And I'm a climate, I'm, I'm, I'm all for green technologies. Don't get me wrong. Um, but climate change can't really technically be fixed. It, it could be minimised, but it can't really be fixed because um, our world as is, you know, unless we um, shut down all the, the coal mines that are in Australia and then just go to go back to or, or concentrate on um, entirely our renewable energies, then um, we yeah, we, like, we're always going to have climate change. It's just always going to be there. Um, but um, a realistic policy um, would be um, something to do with employment, um, maybe the, or a lowering of taxes or even an increase of Centrelink or an increase of health supplies. That's the kind of things that would actually get him voted in. And if he concentrates on those things, there might be a chance that he could actually get voted in again now but he has to find the balance between people that uh, desperately want booster shots or vaccines and people that don't and I think he's been kind of doing that sort of in saying oh, I'm going to try and make this as mandatory as possible but we won't make it mandatory so he's been trying to balance between the two um, the two groups kind of thing, those that want to take a vaccine and others that do. Um, but he, in the end, he's going to have to pick a side um, if he wants to have um, an actual proper policy that will um, actually stick within Australia 
and not just fluff about. If he fluffs about, there is absolutely no way that he will become the Prime Minister of Australia again. What do you think? Um, I, To be honest, I there's one thing I don't like. You know, obviously, we know the environment's a big issue right now. We do know that climate change and all that sort of stuff and how we're going to tackle it. The problem I have with all these all these politicians, you know, promising to do something about it, they're pushing out uh, dates like like 20, 2040, 2050. These are dates in the never-never right now because they're banking that they'll be prime minister and leader for like 20 years. It ain't going to happen. The last person that was uh, prime minister for nearly 20 years was uh, John Howard. And that was about it because he knew he handled it. He handled it right. Uh, well, he handled the best that is the best, uh, the best of his ability but all these guys are talking about you know what are we going to do how are we going to tackle climate change and all that sort of stuff right we can do it with the renewables we can do all that we can also do wind farms we can also do nuclear but we can also do solar but right now everyone's focusing uh they're not focusing on the one on on multiple on multiple fronts they're only focusing on how we're going to handle how we're going to we're going to shut down we're going to bring in renewables, fine. But if you're going to bring in renewables, you're going to have to shut down the old stuff. But you haven't given us any solid word on what we're going to do, how we're going to bring this in. We're just going to shut down the old plants without bringing in new plants. And that's and that'll cause problems, especially during summer when it's really hot. And those people in Victoria, remember, I remember one of their one of their uh, one of their plants, uh, one of their coal coal fire plants was shut down. I think it was in Victoria, and they didn't have a backup. So what happened is there was rolling blackouts in Victoria. That's what you need. If you're going to shut down the old stuff to bring in the new stuff or the renewables, you have to build the renewables first before you can shut down the old stuff right. just to make sure it all works. That's what. That's why I would like to see. I would like to see, you know, renewables, Brian. I would like to see that. I would like to see wind farms. I would like to see that. I would also like to see them go try nuclear, you know, see what happens there along with solar, because that way you've got four front, you've got four new fronts there. You've got you've got solar, you've got nuclear, you've you've got the wind farms, and you've also got renewable. So there you go. You've got four. Right now we're using maybe two at the maybe using three at the moment, but not using the other three in the way that we should be using it. Now here's I'm going to throw this one out to our subscribers and our viewers, current and new. Um, I want to ask you all to leave us some comments on our YouTube page. Uh, the question to our subscribers and viewers is, um, how will, uh, what do you think will happen in the next federal election? Um, when, when, you, like, when you think about it to our subscribers and viewers, really think about it and give us your answers and the best answer will give will give you a shout out so what do you think will happen in the next federal election buckets um i think um this is the thing right i think a lot of people are aiming towards a hung parliament to be perfectly honest and that that idea is becoming more and more popular i think albanese has got a really really good chance of actually becoming pm but I also think the idea of a hung parliament is also um, within our midst. And um, that's when you've got people like uh, Craig Kelly, um, who basically, I hate his ads, but um, Craig Kelly um, is um, gaining uh, popularity rather quickly. And so are- Isn't he with the United Party right now? 
Yes, he's shown in other parties. So he, I think he's gaining popularity now. And I think a lot of other independents are actually going, gaining popularity as well. So I think either the Labour Party is going to win it or it'll be a hung parliament and either the Liberal Party or the Labour Party is going to uh, have to deal with the independents. And I, I think that's probably what's going to happen mm. um, in the near future is that they're going to have to deal with the independents. And that's going to be crazy. That's going to be really, really crazy when that happens. Um, but... Uh, yeah, either it'll it'll just be a straight whitewash where Labor just wins, um, or it'll be an hung parliament where um, the the Labor Party win some of the seats, but the vast majority seats are won by, by the independents. One of those two. Here's what I I'm gonna break it down just quickly, and that's all I'm gonna say about it. Uh, what do I think will happen in the next federal election? I believe, and I think strongly, that it's going to be a massive, massive election, and it's going to be a very tight race, and it's going to come down to the, I'm going to predict, and I'm predicting this, and I'm going to call it, it's going to come down to the 1% margin. By the hair of my chinny chin So you think it's probably going to be a hung parliament? No, I'm saying between Scott Morrison and the opposition leader, Mr Anthony Albanese, it's going to be a 1% hair follicle margin where... It's going to be no. so tight between the two. No way. Because look at it this way. Our Prime Minister still has followers. He still has fans. He still has people supporting him. And he's going to have all his uh, Liberal National Party people voting for him. He's going to have his family voting for him. He's going to have friends voting for him. He's going to have followers voting for him. And when it comes down to the Prime Minister versus opposition leader Anthony Albanese, I, I'm predicting it and calling it it's a 1% margin. It's going to be a 1% margin. It's going to be that, 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 that tight, that no. tight. No, no, no way. I, I do not see it as, look, the last election that we had with um, Scott Morrison, that was in a, within a hair's breadth, okay? Scott Morrison won by one seat, okay? One seat, okay? Um, this election, I, I it'll either be a hung parliament or a whitewash by the Labor Party. And even though um, Melbourne probably won't want a Labor Party or a Labor seat, they probably won't want to deal with Dan Andrews, I can definitely see that either being a left-wing seat um, or a United Party seat or an independent seat. They won't want to deal with the Liberal Party, I don't think. But what do you think? I, I don't see it you'll either get a hung parliament or it'll be a whitewash Labor Party um, win. What do you think? Um, well, it, well, the thing is, right, you cannot win a federal election unless you're the preferred prime minister. Anthony Albanese at this stage is not the preferred prime minister. Oh, yes, he now, is. Oh, no, he's not. You think he is. You think he is, but he, he ain't. You check it out. He's not... Anthony Albanese is not the preferred prime minister right now. Scott Morrison is. However, that, however, that is coming down bits in bits and pieces. I can't wait to see the first, uh, uh, the first news poll to come through uh, since the Omicron uh, situation. So uh, that will give that will probably give us a fair indication of how where it's going. But then again, news poll was uh, wrong about the last election. News poll. Uh, pretty much said the ALP was gonna was gonna romp it in, and that didn't happen. That went the other way. Now, um, I 
I believe what will need to happen is, right, Scott Morrison is going to have to go to Melbourne. He's going to have to do it. He's going to have to do all his stuff in Melbourne this time around. He went to Tasmania the last time around, and that that was effective because you cannot, you don't win the election if you don't win both seats in uh, Tasmania. I can't remember. I think one of them was Bass. I can't remember the other one. I, I, I'm stretched. I'm 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 stretched on uh, you know what seats they were. If somebody can correct me, that's fine. Um, that and, I and I will appreciate it. But you need to win. You need to win Tasmania. If you don't win both seats in Tasmania, you got a problem. And that's what the LNP did at the last election. But I think they're going to go. They're going to have to go to Victoria this time around because the only thing that the LNP can possibly run on is the fact that Daniel Andrews locked Victoria down for such a long period of time. Victoria became the most locked down state on earth, or you know, and. Um, and also, he's going to have to play on that death card, you know, because under Daniel Andrews, you know, this was this was what happened, you know. You had all these deaths as well. I think you can't you can't go out, you can't go to Western Australia and target COVID there because they've done better than anybody else. They're going to go. I think it's going to have. I think it is ultimately going to go down to Western Australia, which means we're not going to have a result until maybe early. Sunday morning, maybe, or mid-Sunday morning. The, the thing is about Tasmania is Tasmania is a typical liberal seat anyway. Um, a lot of the top, because they've got a lot of businesses, a lot of businesses in Tasmania, not to say that there aren't businesses in every other state, but um, they, like the Liberal Party is really, really popular in Tasmania. Um, and they're going to be just as popular in um, Melbourne, thanks to Dan Andrews making um, the Labor Party extremely unpopular. So I think with Tasmania and Victoria, um, the Liberal Party have pretty much won um, both um, uh, those two states. Um, New South Wales could go either way. Um, it could go either way, to be perfectly honest, even though Albanese is popular. Um, but Queensland will probably stay Labor. Um, and but they're gonna have to work really, 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 really hard to win over WA because if they don't, they've lost the election. Last question, let's finish it up. Let's finish it up. Who do you think will win? My answer is our next prime minister of 2022. It'll be the opposition leader, Mr. Anthony Albanese. Go. Yeah, look, I think it's probably going to be Albanese as well, um, due to the fact that the Liberal Party have basically shown themselves to be negligent. Um, and I think the biggest asset that the Liberal Party actually had was Gladys, and they got rid of Gladys. So, well, the um, ACAT got rid of ICAT got rid of um, Gladys, but um, the big, like the biggest asset, the biggest the best um, uh, premier that um, New South Wales had was Gladys and we got rid of her. So I think that the, again, um, negligence just seems to be um, a theme that seems to follow the Liberal Party around everywhere it goes. So 
I definitely think Labour's just going to win it or it's going to be a hung parliament. What do you think? I, to be honest, I hope it's not a hung parliament because the hung parliament got us, A, got us Julia Gillard and B, we got that line that there'll be no carbon tax under a government I lead. And then after she signed a deal with the Greens, within a couple of weeks later, the truth is a carbon tax. Boom. That was the end of her. That was the end of her. And it only took her two months. It took two months for the hung parliament to come undone. When she decided that she was that, uh, that she was going to uh, step down or she was going to step down because of Kevin Rudd or whatever, and then they switched again, those independents decided to call time on their own. That was like, it was Tony Windsor, Rob Oakshot. I believe those were the two, those were two of the main independents oh, there. Yeah, but as well, yeah, that was yeah. when she became popular. So, but, but just quickly, who do you think will win? Well, like I said, I to be honest, I hope it's not a hum parliament. Let's see at the way things are going at the moment. You would say that Anthony Albanese would be in the box seat to win the election, but. When the problem is, you're going to have to start answering questions like, like if they're going to make all these promises, they're going to have to answer how they're going to pay for it because that's what happened with Bill Shorten. He made a lot of big promises and he couldn't add them up. He could not price them because he could not put a tag on them, and that's what done. That's what done Bill Shorten in. So, Anthony Albanese would need to learn the mistakes of Bill Shorten. You know, you know, learn to not make the mistakes of Bill Shorten if he was to become the Prime Minister of Australia. But right now, I'd say he's in the box seat right now. And just for the record, for the House of Representatives, the election result last uh, federal election, this is just, just the House of Representatives, by the way. The LMPs ended up with 77 seats. Uh, the Labor Party ended up with 68. The Greens had one. Uh, the Cato Party had one. The Central, the Centre Alliance uh, had one, and that was Mayo. And the Independents had three seats. So that was the independent. That, that was the House of Representatives. The Liberal and that ended up with what seventy-seven to 60, uh, 68. So they ended up with nine extra seats, not one. Well, there you go. Oh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Don't forget, please don't forget to subscribe and push that notification bell and uh, give us some likes and some love and leave some comments. Let us know what you think and who you think will win the, uh, the next federal election. Um, and we hope you enjoyed our podcast. We will see you hopefully next Wednesday uh, with another fun topic. Thank you for joining us tonight uh, for this special event. Thanks, Leon. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye. Yes.